Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that your word has come to mold us. Your word has come to shape us. Your presence has come to set us free that we may know who you are more. And that we may realize, God, who you've made us to be. Your children. That we are, you're using us to be the light in this world. To bring the presence of Jesus into wherever we are. And we stand before you this morning, God, desiring to be those people. Will you work in us? Will you work through us? Will you finish the great work that you've started, I pray, in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Before I start, I just want to say, Emma, thank you so much. really want to honor you for being here. Thank you for you and Andrew. Thank you for the amazing people that you are, that, have, that has done so much for us. Um, that you've paved the way, and, and your obedience, and the sacrifices that you guys have made. We really honor you as a family, and thank you so much for your obedience to the call of God that he put upon your life. To Lucas and Annie, and to the family that, that are just the most amazing leaders for us. Uh, we just so appreciate you. Where are you, sir? You're hiding. You're right at the back there. We love you so much, sir. Really, we do. To all the leadership you're just amazing people. My wife and myself, we've been so impacted by you, and, and we're just so grateful for the opportunities that God has given us to be with you. So I want to speak to this morning just for a couple of moments on, on temptation. And I know that none of you have been there, but I have. And, and it's kind of like something that, I, that, that I'm having to fight on, 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 on a regular basis. And, and here's the deal. Temptation is here to stay. It's not going to go away. You're going to wake up every single morning, and you're going to realize that there is an enemy that's after your soul. He wants to, if he has one thing that he wants to do, he wants to separate you from God. He wants to bring hopelessness into you and I so that we will stop following what God wants us to do. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to James chapter 1, reading from verse 12 down to verse 15. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Say, ah, because having been approved, ye will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one be tempted, say, I am being tempted from God. For God is not tempted by evil, and he's, he tempts no one. But each one, listen to this now, but each one is tempted by his lusts, being drawn away and seduced by them. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it is fully formed, brings forth death. You see, we're living in a world where everybody wants to choose. I want to choose. Well, I want to tell you that temptation is the most amazing opportunity to choose, to do what's right instead of doing what's wrong. And, and we need to understand that. You know, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it says this, against these there's no law. I looked up that word law. And it says prescribe, prescriptive usage. In other words, when the fruit of the Spirit is, is poured out, there is no limitation to its ability or amount that God wants it to operate in your life. And so what happens is, you and I need to understand. So if, if you've not been well and you've gone to the doctor and they, they give you a prescription, they say to you, uh, take this so many times a day for so long. If you take not enough, it doesn't work. If you take too much, it kills you. 
So prescriptive usage is good, but when the Bible says about the fruit of the Spirit, he says there is no prescriptive usage, there's no limitations to how God wants you to function in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and I know that all of you function very well in those, but you're, 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 I can, I can struggle. How do I grow in joy? Do, do, does God put me in an environment where everything is going according to plan? And then I grow in joy? Or does God put me in a place, or do I find myself rather, in a place where everything is chaotic and I have to choose to still be joyful in that? You see, temptation is to go the other way. Oh, my, my, my area or what I'm in is just chaotic. And, and so I choose to be sad and despondent instead of putting on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Because that's how joy is increased in our life. That's why the Bible says in James 1, 2, it says, Consider it joy when you fall into diverse temptation, trials and tests, knowing this, that the testing of your faith causes you to enjoy. Peace. How does peace get Developed in our life. Is it because you're in a nice environment again? No. Peace comes when everything's going crazily wrong. And I have to choose to allow the peace of God to work in it. The Bible says, let the peace of Christ. Colossians 3, 15. Let the peace of Christ rule. So when, when nothing's making sense in my head, I've got to choose, God, I know you're in this boat with me. I know that you're here with me. I know that you don't forsake me. I know that you're here. You're holding my hand. You're leading me. You're ordering my steps. Even though I don't kind of like feel it, and it doesn't seem like it's happening around me right now, but I know that, God, you are here. You've not left me. How do I develop in my love? Hanging around all the nice guys. No, it's easy to function in love when we're hanging around people that we love and they're good and we've got so many things in common. But love is developed when we're hanging around the unlovable. Now, I know none of you are like that. But there are some people in our life, they just seem, I don't know about you, but sometimes I seem to have a big red button over here and everybody wants to push it. Do you have that? They know how to bring the best, no, the worst out of you. Remember this, we were speaking about hosting, and they said, you know, people are going to get to see how you live. Some people, they just, when they're around you, they, they irritate everything inside you. And the Bible still tells me to love them. You know why? Because the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. Love covers shortcomings. Love does those things. And so there's always a temptation in those situations to act the opposite way, to kind of like just say what you feel and to give a sermon a piece of your mind or whatever. But yet the Bible tells me to live differently. We cannot claim to be good if we have never been tempted to be bad. We can never claim to be faithful when we've never had the opportunity to be unfaithful. And all of us will be tempted with those. You see, you know the nice thing about family is that things can go horribly wrong. Did you know that? Have you noticed that? Thank you for the one laugh. But let me tell you a little bit about my life. Um, 
don't ever pick a fight with me because I am number nine in our children. So I, if you see me, there's a whole nation out there. And if you pick on me, you must know that nation's coming for you. <laughs> no, I'm joking, I'm joking. But hey, let me tell you that what I grew up, when we were growing up, man, in between ourselves, we used to fight like crazy. But let somebody from the outside come and pick on us. <laughs> we stand like this. That's what family is about. And you see, so you need to understand is that, that there are certain things that you and I, we have to, we, you make yourself part of because that makes you stronger. But it doesn't always guarantee it's going to be nicer. Let me tell you a funny story about my, my one sister. She felt sorry for my one brother. He was, um, my dad asked him to go and look after the couple of cows that we had. And so he was out there with a, with a tutu, and he was shooting, targeting, whatever. And she came, and she, he said to her, do you want me to teach you how to shoot? And um, she said, yes, please. So he says, okay, put the gun here on your lips so that you can look down the barrel. And she pulled the trigger. And the, <laughs> the butt smacked her. Her lips went out. I tell you what, he had to run for his life. Boy, she was going to take him out. <laughs> That's the nice thing about being part of family. But you know what? The next time somebody picked on him, she was there standing with him to protect him. I'm talking about making choices and being part of something that's bigger than you so that we can live this life. Temptation is out there. In 2 Corinthians 2, it says this, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his scheme. So here's, here's the deal in life. When you and I wake up in the morning, you need to understand the enemy's after you. And he's going to try and outwit you. And he's going to do things. He's going to set things up. I want to tell you this. What I've noticed in my life, the enemy knows how to plan. Please write this down. The enemy doesn't have to get, to get you by tomorrow. He's got the rest of your life. He can plan. He can plan. I've seen certain things that have happened, and they've happened in the context of the body of Christ and church, and I want to tell you they have hurt. But how the enemy has just set one thing, in, and over a period of time, he has swung things around that those things have come against us and have hurt a lot. He sets the trap. What is a trap? You don't set a trap for somebody and put it in, in, in the open so that somebody just steps right into it when they can see it. No. He camouflages it. He, 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 he hides this thing so that you are not aware and you step into it. And the consequences are hard. And they're harsh. In James chapter 1 verse 40 it says, But each one is tempted by his lust being drawn away and seduced by them. So here's number one point. Of temptation and how, it, how the enemy uses it to come against. Number one, desire. Desire. I'm going to use an illustration and I'm not asking you to go out and do that. But if you want to rob a bank, you have to find an inside man. You have to find somebody that will tell you about change of shifts, change of times, security or whatever. You, you have to get the information on the inside for you to be able to plan your execution. And I want to say this, that when the enemy wants to work in your life, he's got to find an inside man. But I also want to say that if God wants to work in your life, he also has to find an inside man. It's called desire. In Proverbs 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 
when you and I love God and we have one plan, and that is to please Him in everything, then our desires become the very thing that God feeds so that we can become more of a, something in His hand. But when you get offended, and you get become bitter, and when things have become wrong, that very same desire changes from loving to love God and all of a sudden to get revenge. And then all of a sudden the enemy starts to use that very same thing called desire to bring the total different result in your and my life. Is this making sense to you today? So God needs an inside man, and the enemy also needs an inside man. See, sinful desires about getting revenge and fulfilling whatever, you bad-mouthing people, whatever it is, becomes something that comes out of us. You see, if you and I have a desire to be destructive, you're going to get that opportunity. But if you have a desire to be a blessing, you're going to get that opportunity. It's amazing how God opens up these things just because of the desire that we have in our life. If you are jealous over people and you want to hurt them, you will get that opportunity. But if you want to inspire people, I want to tell you, God's going to give you that opportunity just because of the desire. In Mark chapter 7, 21, it says, For from within and out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, or in other words, vulgarity, or envy, slander, arrogance, foolishness. All these evils come from the inside and make a man unclean. And so that's why the Bible says to you and I in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When those thoughts come that are contrary to what God wants, the temptation to go down that road, God says, take those thoughts captive and bring them under the authority of Christ. And the only way that we beat those things is we've got to do the opposite and go and do that. And that's what biblical, a living biblical word means. In James 4, it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, every single day, you have to get up and you have to resist what the enemy wants you to do for him today. And every day, I have to yield to what God wants me to do for him today. Is that choice that's going on all the time. And... What we need to understand, the devil will always offer a shortcut to what God wants to do in us. And temptation is the starting of finding out where you are and which way you're going to go. So desire is number one. The second thing that the enemy uses or, or, or that temptation uses is doubt. The devil wants to cause doubt to fill our minds all the time. You see, when the enemy came to Eve right at the beginning, and the way he was able to get it is that he threw doubt into her mind. Did God really say? When you and I are wanting to live godly principles in a chaotic time in our life, the thought is going to be, does God really expect you to do this? Does God expect you to really put yourself down and humiliate yourself like that? Does God really expect that? I don't think so. And he will start to mess with your and my head in the sense of getting you and I to doubt 
who he is. You see, the devil cannot get us to doubt God's word. I mean, sorry, the devil wants us to, to doubt God's word. Why? So he can take control over you and I. I had a very sad conversation this week. I kind of like thought of somebody that was in a church, and I, didn't, I haven't seen him for about 20 years. I really had him on my heart, phoned him. And this was his, his opening lines to me. He says this, I feel I don't trust God anymore. And I thought, that is such a sad place. What's happened? The enemy's being successful in throwing things out there and making life so challenging that all of a sudden, He's doubting whether God really cares. The temptation to walk away from where God is. In Hebrews 10.35 it says, don't throw away your confidence. You see, the Bible tells me here, I don't lose my confidence, I throw it away. I throw it away. When I choose to entertain things that are contrary to what God's word says, I throw away my confidence and I hold on to other things. In Hebrews 3.12, it says, see to it. And that when it says, see to it, he's talking to a group of people. And in other words, he's saying, to you that I'm talking to, it's your responsibility. It says, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. In other words, turns away from his word, turns away from his morals, turns away from his values, turns away from his principles. The third thing that the enemy uses is deception. It's a process. He needs an inside man called desire. He wants to get you and I to doubt. And now he moves into deception. You see, the devil can never tell the truth. He will take the truth and he will twist it. And he's lying. In fact, the Bible says here in John 8, 40, it says that he is the liar and the father of all lies. You see, he doesn't want you to become who God made you to be. He doesn't want you to be effective. He doesn't want you to be the game changer in people's lives and in situations or environments. And so what happens is he will go for you. He will, he will, he will attack your character. He will cause people to say things about you that have got no truth whatsoever. And he'll, his intention is so that you will buckle under that and heal to him. The temptation is there. But the other side is I've got to fight to stand for who God says I am. That when he says that he'll never leave me nor forsake me, God's standing there. It doesn't matter how chaotic life gets. God is there and he's with me. And don't be tempted to let go of that. Don't be tempted to let go of the things that God has spoken about you. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. That, that you're the apple of his eye. You see, disobedience will not kill me physically immediately, but it will eventually do that. It's like a cancer that runs, and eventually you just, you, just, you just die. Disobedience starts to kill me spiritually as well, because it starts to, I start to distance, get a distance between God and myself. Not that God moved. It's just that because I, I've started to listen to everything else, and now all of a sudden, I'm not, I'm not as close to Him as I used to be. I'm not hearing His voice like I used to do. I'm not... I'm not walking with him like I used to be. I'm not obeying the things that he's told me to do like I used to. Now all of a sudden, I'm becoming cold and then there's a distance and I start to die spiritually. And when I open my eyes, I'm actually very far away from where I used to be. And the last thing of temptation is the act of disobedience. When I start to live the way 
that the enemy has tempted me to fall into, and I've gone to there. You see, when I'm tempted, I will always act on the original thought. The original thought that the enemy used to get me will be eventually the thing that I will do because I never broke that thing. The Bible says this, as a man thinks, so is he. Watch how you think. Watch the thoughts that you allow your mind to entertain because the enemy uses your thinking to get hold of you. Lucas spoke a while ago on that. And so coming back to that scripture this morning in James 1.13, when tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted by when his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it becomes, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. You see, it's our responsibility to keep ourselves in the plan and the purpose that God has for us. It is our responsibility to keep ourselves positioned in His Word, positioned in the family. You know what? I, I, I used the illustration of the family in the beginning because there's no perfect family. But there is a family. It's a family where we belong. And we might fight every now and then. But you know what? Of all the fights that I've had with my brothers and sisters, I've never divorced them as my brothers and sisters. In fact, I keep phoning them. I keep telling them how much I love them. I keep telling them how special they are and precious they are to me. And I want to say to you today that there's going to be a, a, a temptation to dislodge you from where God has planted you. There's a temptation to close up and not to be transparent with the people that really love and care for you. There's a temptation to do that. And when we start to do that, we start to distance ourselves from the very thing that God has put in place to actually help us. Last year was a tough year for me, but there's one thing that I've got to realize. People are the most valuable asset you will ever have. Yet, people are the people that will hurt you the most. How can that be? You know what it's got to be? It's all about my attitude. It's my attitude that's going to determine whether I stand or whether I fall. And God calls us into something so that we can become strong in Him. So I don't have time to go there, but how do we get out of temptation? I'll just give you the points. Maybe at some other time we can, we can talk about them. But number one, you've got to focus on something else. When temptation comes, when the negative, the wrong comes, you've got to, you, your brain can't think of nothing. Your brain's going to think of but you've got to start a focus on something else. So when you're angry with somebody, you have to stop those thoughts of anger and you have to start to think, how can I go and bless that person? Because the Bible says, bless your enemies. You've got to go and put in the opposite into, into practice. That's the choice of breaking temptation in your life. The second thing, confide in a godly friend. There are people out there, they're not newspapers, they really care. They're not going to tell your story all over the world. They really care and you can trust in them. I had a pastor phone me yesterday. Well, I've been in a conversation on how somebody has really just been abusing them. And this was my conversation I said, sir, you don't know who I am. But all I want to say is that if you ever need somebody to talk to, 
If you want somebody to be a punch bag where you can just air your frustration and your pain, I'm asking you to save this number, and you can call me at any time. I want you to know that this can be a safe place for you. Somewhere along the line, there is a friend that will stand with you and help you through that time. The third thing, you have to resist evil. Resist means you've got to push against it. You've got to fight to not go down that road. And the fourth thing is remember that you are valuable, but you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to be vulnerable. Keep yourself in a safe place. Because remember, God, the enemy uses our shortcomings against us. The power of sin is in its secrecy. Write that down, please. The power of sin is in its secrecy. You'll notice that everything the devil does is always at nighttime, dark, and alone. And if you will bring something into the light, it loses its power over you. That's why the Bible says confess your sins one to another. Because there's protection there. But what it's telling you is when you bring it in the light, the devil loses his power over you. And then you can become free. You can become free. Come on, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you've called us to be strong and courageous. You've called us to be people that will represent you, to walk in godliness, to be the fragrance of Jesus wherever we go. But Father, we are in a battle. But Lord, we choose as your people to stand for you. And I'm asking you in this place this morning, wherever there is people that are struggling, where the enemy has been harassing, where the enemy has almost been trying to manipulate to be able to go down the roads that he's intended, I'm asking that your mighty hand today would move across this place. Will you touch people's lives? Will you get them to realize they're not alone? That God, you placed them in a family and this is their protection right here. Move, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This, the, while we're in this attitude of, of just prayer, I want to say this, that the strength of being able to stand is because of Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. You and I have nothing inside us to withstand what the enemy wants to do to destroy you. And so that's the starting point of anything in life. Jesus has to take the center stage. He has to become the most important person in your life. And as you sit here this morning, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus Christ? Because without him, nothing can change in your life. And if maybe you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, or maybe you did at one stage, but something's happened and you've kind of like got distant from him again. And, and today you're realizing, I need to get back. I need to, I need to put things in order again. If that's you this morning, while we're just in this real attitude of worship and, and just enjoying God and allowing God to speak to each one of us, but if that's you, I want to pray with you this morning. Can I ask you just to put up your hand and say, yes, that's me. I need to fix things with Jesus today. I need to put him back. Or I've never made a decision for him, and today I want to put him number one in my life. Is there anybody just quickly this morning, will you just put up your hand 
Just say, yes, that's me. Thank you, there's one. Thank you. Who else? Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God's working in your life. This is not an embarrassing time. This is a time where you can just say, Lord, I'm fixing the things that are wrong. Thank you so much. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Jesus loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. But he needs you. He's knocking on your door. He's asking for the permission to come in. And you're the only one that can open the door. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? He loves you. If there's, a, if there's a thought in your mind right now of, yo, I'm scared to do this. I'm asking you to just settle it. You're in a safe place. Because the only thing that God does is love you. More than anything else, He loves you. Anybody else? This is the, this is the greatest miracle that's about to happen right now, by the way. We love seeing people being raised from the dead, but changing the eternity of somebody is the greatest miracle. Greatest miracle. And that's why we, 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 we give this some time. We, give it, we allow God to work in people's lives. Can I ask all of us to stand together, please? If you raised your hand this morning, we want to pray with you. Can I ask you, will you come and join me? Not to embarrass you. But sometimes I need to just make a, I need to do something with the decision that I've made so that I can stand again. So tomorrow when I face those challenges again, I've made a decision to stand up and stand for Jesus Christ. So if that's you this morning, you put up your hand. Can I ask you, will you come and join us? Come on. Thank you so much. Come on, church. Won't you, won't you applaud the people? Come to stand over here. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Will you come on? This is, this is a celebration moment right now. This is a celebration moment. This is from death to life. This is God, God touching people, and this is, what we, we, this is what we ask God for every single day. Lord, will you touch people? Anybody else? Somehow in my heart I'm sensing that there's still somebody that you need. Him. There's a serious fight going on on the inside of you. And I'm asking, will you give up today? And will you come? Not to embarrass you. It's to help you. It's to help you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. All right. To you that are standing here, I want to tell you we're so proud of you. This takes a lot of guts to do this. And to see you two young guys, this is amazing. Because God loves you as well. So I want, to, I want to lead you in a prayer, and all of us are going to pray together. Okay? Some of you are recommitment. Some of you might be... Um, uh, this is your first time. That's great. But we, we're putting the record straight today, and we're giving Jesus the rule and reign of our life from today onwards. Will everybody pray this after? Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I give you my life. I declare Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, take my life. And use it for you. I love you, Jesus. Amen. So, Father, in Jesus' name, as we pray for these amazing people today, we break every assignment that the enemy has over their life to try and trick them. And, Father, we thank you 
That as they set their lives aside to serve you, that God, they will walk with you, that they will experience you. When they read the word, Father, I thank you, the word will come alive to them. I thank you that you will give them godly relationships, that people that will walk with them and help them. And Lord, may you order their steps. And may you become the God that's more than enough to every single one of them, I pray. In Jesus' name. We bless them. We speak your peace over them. And Father, we're looking forward to seeing the great things that you will do in them, with them, and through them. In the name of Jesus, amen.